This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, who represents Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing today? Doing well. I'm stuck on Wordle, though. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, sometimes, some mornings it's, you know, rapid fire. You get it in two or three tries, but some mornings it's, uh, it it can go into the afternoon to try and clear your mind. Yes, I start it and then I come back to it and then I come back to it and I'm just having a lot of trouble today. All right. It's there's there's a couple variations out there that we're, we're fans of. Hurdle. Have you tried Hurdle no. yet? No. Okay. Hurdle's like an audio version of Wordle, but oh, we can't get into this. I'll, I'll be talking about this all afternoon. We are uh, almost into June here. And by the way, happy Memorial Day weekend to everyone out there. Um, June is Men's Health Month. And sort of in that theme, we're going to be talking about personal health and wellness and healthy and clean eating, uh, lots of different health and wellness topics. And we are very pleased to welcome on the show, Brian Grin. Brian is a health coach. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I want to start with this new fad thing I keep hearing about. And it's something I've wanted to try. It just seems I'm always hungry. So I I don't know (laughs) if it's going to work for me. Um, But maybe Mm -hmm. you can start us by talking about intermittent fasting. What is it? And what are some of the variations? I see all these numbers associated with it. Is it hours? Is it days? What are we talking about? So Brian, can you talk to us a little bit about intermittent fasting? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I mean, intermittent fasting is, I mean, simply put, it's just abstaining from food for a certain period of time. And so all those numbers that you're seeing are just different uh, fasting and feasting times that people have come accustomed to over, obviously many years uh and some are more popular than others but really there's no really there's no perfect time so what is the best way for someone to start intermittent fasting is there like a beginner's kind of schedule or how how does one get started with it yeah i would say that uh the best way for someone to get started with it is i like to I like to ease individuals into fasting because if they've never done it before, it could be a little bit of a change of pace. And, and like you, like you mentioned, they could experience some hunger and maybe uh, some uh, mild side effects. So I would say that first and foremost, I would look at what they're eating. Cleaning up your eating can help uh, get into fasting and also uh, first and foremost, perhaps eliminate snacking and start with that. So let's just say you're having three meals a day. And uh, before you get into fasting, you can, you know, start eliminating snacking. Once you do that, then if you want, uh, for most of my clients, I, I'll take, if they start their first meal at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever it is, we, we just gradually push that back so they can, so they, you know, start sort of shrinking that eating time. Brian, what's the difference between, or what what are the difference in benefits of intermittent fasting compared to just like a traditional diet, like a Mediterranean diet or uh, the, the keto diet? Yeah. So the, the nice thing about fasting is really, it, I don't even know, I don't know if I really look at it as a diet. It's just, it's just a way to um, sort of organize your eating times and create some structure because you could really eat keto, you could eat vegetarian, you could eat carnivore. You could have, there's many different like 
styles of eating that you could do with fasting. And so it really goes along with, you know, obviously most quote unquote diets or like you said, Mediterranean diets. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess it can go hand in hand with all those. It's just a matter of, of sort of organizing your eating times. Hmm. So what are some of the benefits of fasting? And, and especially if you combine it with one of these other diets that Jason mentioned, like what are, what are some of the benefits yeah. that you get out of doing fasting? Yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, obviously there's been more and more studies done on fasting, a lot on a lot of animal studies. Um, but, you know, just as, you know, like for, I'll just give an example just for myself. I mean, um, improve, improve mental clarity and concentration is like one of the main benefits because a, a lot of times, you know, I, I'm sure we all know how it how it feels to um, to have a have a meal and feel like you're falling asleep <laughs> an hour an, an hour later. And so, I would say that is one of the biggest benefits. But there are some hormonal benefits, you know, because a lot of people essentially, if they're eating, if they're in a fed state for most of the day, their insulin levels are are high, and and they become insulin resistant, and so. Essentially, don't mind my dog in the background. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> We're dog friendly on the <laughs> show. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like trying to walk away from him. He's just finding rabbits and squirrels to bark at right now. Well, he's tired uh, of right, the intermittent right. fasting. He's he's yeah. hungry. <laughs> well, I do fast my dogs, but they eat on my schedule, <laughs> so they don't mind that though. Um, essentially, yeah. So hormonal benefits, decreasing insulin increasing noradrenaline because if you think about it ancestrally you know if we want if we were going to survive as a species we would we went pairs of time without eating and we needed to hunt for that food if, if we got really tired and and draggy then we probably would have survived mm -hmm. so ancestrally it just makes sense mm -hmm. and yeah so as i said i'm definitely somebody on, uh, that is very always hungry and, uh, and, and some of my friends like to call me sometimes hangry. Um, so is there a way, are there things you can do to overcome the hunger that some reason, that's one of the reasons why I haven't thought about fasting and, and it's hard for me to think about even doing dieting because I've always got a snack in my bag. Um, and maybe we'll get later on the show about clean eating because my snacks typically aren't probably very clean. Um, but what are some ways you can overcome hunger? So yeah, as far as overcoming hunger, I think a big part of that is to is to eat nutrient dense foods and that keep you satiated. Uh, and I would say first and foremost, prioritizing protein can help with that. And so uh, that would be probably the best way to overcome hunger in the, in the long haul. And that could take some time. I mean, a lot of people are sort of on this carb, carb carbohydrate roller coaster, and so they're getting swings of glucose and insulin, and that's inducing hunger. Um, and so, yeah, that would be that would probably be my first answer to that. I mean, there are other ways to overcome hunger, um, like warm beverages, like people who are getting into fasting. You know, sparkling water is a good one. Um, staying busy. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we've all, I'm sure we've all had busy days where like, you know, you skipped a meal, you didn't even realize it, mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of the same way. I think I, at one point, you know, this is probably 10 years ago, but I was like eating kind bars like every other hour. And so <laughs> thinking, I, thinking I needed to snack all day to like maintain like energy. But obviously we, we know that that's not really true. So, um, yeah, I just think easing your way out of over, you know, 
snacking all the time and then starting starting with that and then you know if you are getting hunger you know warm beverages even like a black coffee can help as well um or like a like a green tea can help with hunger as well it's good to know so mixing in working out while fasting is it safe is it something that you should continue doing while fasting or take it easy if you're fasting on working out yeah, so I, I, I would say it depends on the experience of that person and how long they've done fasting for. I think, I think if, you, if you're just starting out fasting, probably working out in a fasted state is probably not the best idea. I would say to, to get used to it first, and then if you want to start working out fasted, then, then you, can, you can totally do it. I, mean, I do it pretty much every day. So Not every day, but I don't work out necessarily every day, but I work out, let's just say, every other day or so. And I'm working out in a fasted state, but I, I've, I've accustomed my body to that. So it's, 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 it's definitely doable. And, um, you know, some people like to do it. I sort of, I've tested both ways for myself. I prefer to do it. Uh, but if someone's never done fasting before, I would first do, do fasting on its own. And maybe, you know, you could go for some light walks. And that's another thing. Like if you're so used to eating at a certain time, try to schedule stuff at that time. If you're, if you're working on skipping that meal. You know, put a put a meeting or go for a walk or do a yoga class or do something in place of that because you'll find that hunger comes and goes. It comes in waves and then it leaves. And um, if you can sort of push through that, and, you know, obviously there's a little bit of discomfort there, but that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you can sort of push through that time period, then you'll realize, oh, wait, I'm, uh, you know, that hunger went away. That's interesting. You know, I've 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 got four foster dogs right now, Jason. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I've got four oh. dogs, um, and uh, you know, I've been scheduling to. I, I have to take multiple walks a day, and that's been kind of nice because I I feel what you're saying of like I replace some of my eating times with these walks, and it's just a brisk walk right. with the dogs, and it, it's been very helpful to kind of you know balance myself. I, I'm becoming a lot more active with all these dogs. <laughs> Well, that's oh, yeah. I, I I love walking as a two. I mean, I have two dogs, uh, and yeah. so we go on like yeah, probably at least three walks a day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It, it's uh, it's something that everyone should do even if they don't have a dog. Yeah, <laughs> so. right. That's great advice. We're speaking with Brian Grin. He's a health coach, and we're going to continue our conversation all centered around personal health and wellness. And I think Mary's going to go walk one of her foster dogs <laughs> while, while we take a little bit break, a little bit of a break here. But we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, view their resources online. You can do so by going to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Our guest on the line is Brian Grin. He's a health coach, and we're talking all things personal health and wellness. We just kind of wrapped up a conversation centered 
around intermittent fasting and the benefits of that. And Mary, there's, there's plenty of other things that we're going to touch on here. Yeah, you, Jason brought up keto earlier, and I know that that's something that I've done in my life. It was very difficult to do. Um, maybe, Brian, could you talk to us, what does fat adapted mean? That came up when I was doing keto, and I, I think it's something that everybody should kind of know about. You, you know, something I didn't know about keto is you can't kind of halfway do it. You have to commit to it. Um, and being fat adapted, I think, is part of that. Can you talk to us a little bit about fat adapted? What does it mean, and how do you become fat adapted? Yeah, so it's a good question. Fat adaption, so fat adaption refers to your ability to convert fat to energy. And so when you're fat adapted, you don't need a steady stream of carbs, which is glucose, to power your day. Instead, you can tap into your own source of energy, which is body fat. Um, and so, you know, that is like if you look at like the Paleolithic times, like in our primal days, our ancestors didn't have access to food, right, 24-7, and calories became scarce. So they were probably fat adapted in ketosis for, you know, they could have been for days or weeks on end. Um, so it's really your body's ability to utilize fat. And, um, you know, the only way to get into that is to get your insulin levels low. And that's why I like fasting and keto sort of can go hand in hand because they both are geared towards keeping um, uh, your insulin low. And when your insulin low, um, you know, those are, that's when your ketones can go high and, you know, body fat is sort of broken down and, and burned by your cells and your liver. So, so we call that like fat burning. Um, so people can come in and out of this, this way of like energy. Um, I don't think being in it like for a long, long period of time is necessarily like a necessary thing. Um, so yeah, that's what sort of got you know, originally the, the keto diet was for people for actually brain health. And there's a lot of studies, more and more studies about that are coming out um, as we speak. But, but yeah, so if you talk about trying to overcome hunger, this is one way some people have found to do that when they become fat adapted, that they don't have to rely on, on other sources of energy like, like refined carbs or just carbs in general to, to gather that energy they rely on on you know their their own fat stores and so yeah so that's that is sort of the uh, a brief overview of the of the uh using fat for energy you know it's it kind of struck something with me is keto something you should stay on for a long time you briefly touched on this is this a, a sustainable diet is it something you a way of life or a way that you should be eating for a while a sustained period of time so as far as um being in ketosis for long term, I would say that it's not necessary. I think that it's good to, to come in and out of it. Um, and this is something you can track. I mean, you can, there's like, uh, there's different companies out there, but there's like, this, uh, there's ways to test your ketones through um, a blood test or a breathalyzer. <laughs> uh, there's something called Keto Mojo. But either way, um, if you are, you know, I think being low carb is something that can be a long-term sustainable thing. I, um, for example, like I know keto bodybuilders and people that have sustained it for a long period of time. And, and, uh, and then essentially, so, so I guess the, the short, the short answer is yes, you can be in it long-term, but it doesn't hurt to, to some days, you know, maybe kick up those carbs and, and change sort of the way of eating uh, for a day or even a week and then get back into, eating sort of a lower carb, higher fat um, uh, diet. 
Great. Clean eating is another way, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, I don't think I clean eat as often as I should, but it's another part of fasting and watching what you eat. What should mm-hmm. you care about on a label when you're trying to eat cleaner? Uh, yeah, so I would say, yeah, if you're reading labels, uh, obviously the first ingredient is the one ingredient that's most abundant in that, in that um, item. I would say a great way to clean eat is to actually buy foods that don't have labels. <laughs> and so those would be, those would be whole foods. And, um, and if you can get into that habit, that would be ideal. But, but I would say first and foremost, probably looking at, um, what is the actual, you know, what, what are the contents that are in the food? Probably, you know, sugar would be next, but you know, there's ways that they can sneak sugar in there that don't always show up. So you just got to be careful. Then they disguise it many different ways. Uh, so reading the label is important, but if you can go, if you can go a, uh, a period of time with buying foods that don't have labels or, or barcodes, that would be, that would be a great habit. Is gluten-free something you should also consider while fasting? Well, gluten-free for some people, yeah, they, they, you know, obviously they're allergic to, to that. So yes, that would be advantageous. Now, just because it says gluten-free obviously doesn't mean it's healthy. Um, you know, so gluten-free just, uh, you know, this, this, they use potato starch, they use, you know, corn. And so th- these aren't necessarily healthy things. So if you need to go gluten-free, I, I, you know, that's obviously, um, something that some people need to do, but just buying gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's a clean food to eat. That's very helpful. You know, one yeah. one more question for you. Uh, instead of the freshman, freshman 15, I feel like a lot of people are talking about COVID-20. What is the quickest way to bounce back from COVID hibernation and taking the first steps to getting back into shape? Oh, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I would just say just start moving. You know, I, we talked about going for walks. I think that's a great thing to do if, 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 if like, you've just been hibernating for so long. <laughs> I think a lot of people did actually go for walks. I remember seeing people walking uh, during like the whole quarantine process, but you know, just finding some type of routine that works. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a gym membership that, um, you know, that takes a lot of time where you go in there for an hour or two and do a workout. This is just could be something that could be done in your home, you know, body weight exercises, something simple, but, you know, some type of micro workout to start, maybe a 15, 20 minute workout, which I've sort of become accustomed more to because, you know, then you have really don't have any excuses to do it, right? When you, when you got a 15 minute workout and you can get a lot done in those 15 minutes and, and do that, you know, maybe three, four times a week. And, and so I would say that would be a first place to start. And, you know, if you've put on, if you've gone the other way and you've put on weight, you know, obviously the things that we've talked about as, you know, for the past, whatever, 20, 30 minutes can help as well. That's great advice. He is Brian Grin. He's a health coach. Brian, if folks want to find more information about you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, they can go to briangrin.com, and that's sort of my hub for everything. You can find my social media and things like that. And, uh, yeah, I have some I have some resources on there if people want to just sort of ease their way into fasting. There's a, there's a challenge on there. Um, and where they can journal and sort of ease their way into it. And um, so, yeah, there's, that's where I keep everything. So, Excellent. BrianGrin.com. Grin spelled G-R-Y-N. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. 
All right, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Hey, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online anytime to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. There are so many resources available to you online there. There's also uh, calendars of uh, things that are going on in the community that uh, may be of benefit to you. Transitionslifecare.org to find out more information. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and now we're, we're getting into my wheelhouse here. We're going to be talking about <laughs> food and nutrition for older adults, and we are very pleased to welcome Chef Zach. He is Chef Zach Merritt with Chefs for Seniors. Zach, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Maybe to kick us off, Zach, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is Chefs for Seniors? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I've been a professional chef for uh, about 20 years or so. I've done all sorts of things from small fine dining restaurants to, to large-scale catering. Um, and about four years ago, we had my wife and I had the opportunity to purchase a Chefs for Seniors uh, franchise. Um, and at the time, they had just started selling them. Chefs for Seniors started in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it was a father-son um, we were one of the first five franchises um, I in. But what it is is it's a personal chef service um, geared towards seniors. So uh, what we do is we meet with our our clients. We talk about their dietary needs um, and in general food likes and dislikes. Uh, and then we schedule a service day. And on that service day, we'll do the grocery shopping for the the menu that they selected. We'll come to their house. We'll bring all of our own pots and pans. Oh, wow. um, and when we leave, they'll have about 12 meals that are all packaged, ready to go. They just need to be reheated. Um, and again, everything's made to their liking. Um, and then we schedule another visit, and we can come back in a week or two weeks. kind of depends on uh, that person's lifestyle and, and how often they're going to be eating the uh, food that we prepare. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, with the timing of this conversation is pretty perfect with the new year and people trying to make healthy goals. Um, you say to my liking when, I, when I'm thinking about planning out my meals and all I'm thinking is uh, ice cream and uh, chocolate, <laughs> a glass of wine. Uh, so, but I, I can imagine sure. for, for the right. older adult, there's some probably critical things to think about when planning meals. Can you talk through uh, what that looks like? What is that process like? And do you, um, do you work with uh, special diets? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So working with like special diets is what really sets um, chefs for senior service separate from like a meal delivery service or something like that, because everything is made customized for the client. So, you know, if you look at our our menu, you'll see a a 
pork tenderloin with a cranberry sauce, and that comes with rice and green beans. Mm. Well, they love that pork tenderloin with cranberry sauce, um, but they they can't have rice for um, a dietary reason, and and they hate green beans. So, <laughs> you know, maybe we can do that with sweet potatoes and broccoli or something that they're like, and then, you know, we can cook the broccoli softer or, or keep it crispier. So it can really be personalized um, for that individual client. And, and then, so with dietary needs, you know, low sodium is huge. Um, using things like fresh herbs, vinegars, um, different citrus, different ways to add flavor into food without adding a lot of salt so that they'll still, still get something delicious, but not, not just, you know, dumping a salt shaker on everything. Um, and so that kind of thing. That's uh, my cardiologist would appreciate you saying that. I feel like I pour salt on everything, and um, they, you know, I also spend time with my grandfather, and I help take care of him. And I, I look around the dining room sometimes when I'm with him, and there's everyone goes immediately for the salt, and I feel like that's something that we should probably be watching a little bit more of. Yeah, and especially as, as some folks get older, um, they start to kind of lose their their sense of taste. So what, they might not have used that much salt before, but then they're they're not tasting as much, so they're they're adding more salt than than really needs to be added. So uh, if you can add flavor using spices and, and herbs and other things, you know they'll still get that satisfaction of, of eating something flavorful. It's just not going to be salty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chef Zach. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to meals with my grandparents and, you know, it's funny we were having the salt conversation because that was always one of the topics mm-hmm. that came up is how, oh, the, this is too salty. And so, uh, you know, I think when we're trying to maybe get meals ready for them that, you know, we try and navigate to things that are, are maybe a little bit more bland because we don't want to cross that bridge. But how do we avoid kind of falling into the trap of maybe maybe the same kinds of foods over and over again just because we think that's maybe a little bit safer? Um, you can, you know, look at, look at some different recipes to come up with some different ideas. Um, you know, learn study a little bit some of the ingredients and stuff that you're using and see um, like if you're concerned about adding too much of this or that, you know, especially looking at, at your prepared foods and stuff. Um, there's a lot of lot of options out there now for um, healthier stuff. Uh, you just have to kind of know what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, when I'm looking for something new or um, to get inspired, like looking at I think a lot of different recipes, um, you, you say bland, like some, some folks, they, they like spice and they want spice. Some people have traveled the world and, and sometimes they want to kind of recreate some of those flavors that they've had. Um, so, you know, just talking to, talking to your loved one about, um, other things that they've enjoyed in their life and, and maybe try to bring some of that to it. So we've been talking a lot about meals. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you supplement meals with snacks? It's one of my favorite things. I can snack all day. Um, but do you have a, a part of your business that offers a snack option as well? Yeah, absolutely. There's like a whole um, section of the menu that's uh, kind of lighter fare um, with with some things in there like um, uh, like a a lemony cauliflower and bean dip or a potato knish um, and roasted eggplant dip. 
uh, things like that that you can have around the house and might be able to eat it with some vegetables or some uh, some healthier chip options. Um, but you know that that's important because when we when we go for when we are creating it yourself, you're controlling the ingredients that are in there. Um, it might if you, when you buy it, you don't know what they're putting in there to add shelf life or flavor enhancers or or any of that stuff that might not be so desirable. Um, so, but when you're reaching in the pantry, you know you're usually reaching for processed stuff. But if you have something on hand that's homemade, it can be a much healthier option. That's a great point. And something that I, I, I'm thinking about through our conversation is the difference between your service and offering these healthy prepared meals versus grabbing a freezer meal, which might be super easy for many, especially for a caregiver that's taking care of someone, maybe at a distance to, you know, order groceries or grab groceries and stuff the freezer full of something that might have the word healthy on the label or low calorie on the label or low sodium on the label that you stick in the microwave. But you are also so consuming a lot of preservatives when you do that and, and things that you just don't know that are in your food. Uh, so I think there's a healthy way here and, and you're able to provide these meals that are also freezer safe, correct? Yeah, most of the things um, can be freezer safe. I mean, I wouldn't recommend freezing chicken salad or something, but most <laughs> of the meals um, are freezer safe and, and most of our clients do freeze mm-hmm. at least a portion of their meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then eat them the next week or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it's designed to to still have that easy factor where they don't have to do anything but microwave it. Um, but yeah, you know everything that's actually in it too. All right, Chef Zach, for those who were listening earlier and said, you know, man, I really want uh, what's on the menu today. I want that pork tenderloin with the the rice and the green beans. How how do people get a hold of you, Chef Zach? Sure. So uh, my phone number, uh, 984-960-9563. And you can also fill out uh, information on our website. And there's a lot more um, information there at chefs4seniors.com. There's a a menu there um, and all sorts of other information. But again, phone number, 984-960-9563. Wonderful. Chefsforseniors.com or... 984-960-9563 to get a hold of Chef Zach. He is Zach Merritt with Chefs for Seniors. Chef Zach, Mary and I would uh would <laughs> love it if if you ever come up with chefs for, you know, distressed millennials or we'll be, we'll be first in line to sign up, okay? Just let us know. Well, yeah, no, we we I, we can help anybody. Just give me a call. Okay, all right. Wonderful. That's good to know. That's good to know. Right. We'll, we'll, we, we we'll check that out. Yeah. Very good. Right. Thank you so much for your time. Again, Chef Zach Merritt with Chefs for Seniors. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with... 
Mary Lucas, and we are now pivoting to planning, which is something that we love to talk about, and we are very excited to have joining us Claren Engelbreth. She is the, a financial advisor and a mother of four. She's got her hands full. Four <laughs> boys, actually. Uh, I don't know how you do it, Claren, but thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. I always tell everyone, they say, well, how do you work as a financial advisor? I said, this is where I come to rest. <laughs> That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, so, Claire, and you, your background is in the financial world from corporate loans to mortgages, and uh, you made your way back to financial advising for individuals. What made you want to move more into individual financial assistance and advising? Well, when I decided that I wanted to work in the financial industry, you know, one of the couple of things that were really important to me were to help people and to educate people. And so I found I had so much knowledge from working in different, different areas of the bank, but I really wanted to be able to help people organize their money, feel good about their money, and make sure that they were making really good choices, but also informed choices, that they understood, you know, what they were doing and why it made sense to them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get out of the corporate world and really be able to help people and make a difference. That's great. It gives me like a good feeling to know, you know, financial advisors are something they'd be kind of intimidating for people. Um, and it's something that maybe comes with a um, stigma that it's only for wealthy people, um, or you need a lot of money to have a financial advisor, but that's not the case. And it's it's nice to know um, your background and um, that you're really looking out for people. Um, and I, that's also a question I had. Is it only for wealthy people, financial advising, you know, it, with that stigma, um, it kind of maybe scares some people off from consider financial advising or estate planning. Right. The industry has changed and still changing so much. And what I would say to that is, you know, I feel like, you know, when you talk about being wealthy and needing an advisor, it's something that has always seemed like, I always picture the Wizard of Oz and the wizard be being behind the green curtain. And you know he's behind the green curtain, but you don't really know much about the wizard behind the curtain. You're afraid to ask because you feel like you should know about the wizard. Um, so anyway, uh, you're right. You do not have to be wealthy. You know, everyone uses money every mm -hmm. single day. It's an exchange to buy and sell things that we need or want. So our industry has changed from being just, stock pickers to really helping people holistically plan so many different things. Um, and that includes your investments, retirement, goals you want to accomplish today, the right insurance, um, helping people with estate planning and kind of all, every aspect of organizing your wealth. So it, it, you, you know, and being wealthy is subjective too, right? That's mm -hmm. a different number for everyone. So what I find is whether people have more money than they need or not enough, they still need to get it organized and make sure they're making good choices. So I think that everyone should take the opportunity to talk with someone that is a financial advisor at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, you touched on estate planning there for a second. I want to circle back to that. Um, when should someone start estate planning? Is it ever too early to start estate planning? Uh, it's never too early. I am a uh, cancer survivor myself. Oh, wow. So when you start to think about your own mortality, you know, I'm pretty young. That could happen at any mm -hmm. age. So no, no, you can never plan too early. And honestly, estate planning is the best gift that you can leave your loved ones. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I not to get too personal here, but when you were diagnosed with cancer, and I'm so glad that um, you are here with us and that, that you have made it through all that and it can and I really admire that. And I think that that adds to your journey um, in doing what you're doing now and in the career that you're in. When you were diagnosed, did it kind of shift your mindset a little bit on your role um, in in your career as well and financial advising and um, and the clients that you work with? It really did, you know, um, knowing that you could not be here and that it actually could happen and that you're, you know, we all know we're not invincible, but we still kind of deep down at our core believe that we are to some extent invincible. So that completely changed my perspective that, you know, I myself at a young age need to make sure that I've got my ducks in a row and that everything that I have is organized in case I were to leave this earth and, um, so, yeah, it has changed the conversations that I have with all of my clients, no matter what their age is. Mm-hmm. So how does one get started with estate planning? What does that first step look like? Yep. So the first step would be to think about what's most important to you when you leave this world. What do you want to happen to your to your assets? What do you want to have happen to your material? your tangible things that are important to you that you want to go to specific people. So start to think about what you want to happen when you're not here anymore and how you want that to happen for your family. There's so many aspects of estate planning. It's not just, you know, I need a will and that's going to lay out who everything goes to. There's beneficiaries on accounts. There's ways to avoid certain, um, certain documentation and public documentation upon your death. And, I really think it's also important for your family to know what what do you want to happen? How do you want them to celebrate your life? You know, it, it's really not a good time for your family to be making financial decisions mm-hmm. when they're trying to decide how to honor your life. Mm, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, when you, you've touched on family here a few times when is the appropriate time to involve your family if, if you're anything like my family they want to be involved in the whole thing um from the very get-go right. <laughs> and and also have their say in everything um but when is the appropriate time to involve your family in in the conversation and in this process so you know for for aging parents it's really important that before you know before you can't make decisions, they need to know, you know, what's important to you. So the earlier, the better, I say with that too, you know, with me, I've sat down and I've had a conversation with my husband, my spouse about, here's what I want, here's what I want to happen if I'm not here. This is how it should work if I'm not here. This is who you need to talk to. And we've got it all written down. And same thing with aging parents, you need to sit down with someone that's important to you, be that a child or a another family member or a friend and let them know, Hey, this is the planning I've done. This is what's important to me so that they're not trying to figure out when you're not here, what they need to do first. Um, So if you haven't had that conversation with your important person that you would want to be in charge when you're not here, you need to have them sit down with you and your financial advisor or your attorney that's done the planning for you and make sure that they are aware of how things are supposed to happen. That sounds like the ideal scenario, and I, I think we should all, you know, make it a point to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think so often we we tend to put these things off or maybe neglect it, and then 
uh, you know, a crisis happens and then we're, we're kind of thrusted into this. So for, for those who experience that, you know, what, what are the main things that we need to keep in mind with an estate plan when we're, we're suddenly we're presented with a, a scenario that we, we were not foreseeing? Right. So I think it's really important to, number one, you've got to find the documentation if, and find out if there was. And typically those can be recorded um, if there was some planning done. Typically, typically it's recorded. And then you want to make sure that you find out where all the accounts are and you want to, you know, get with an attorney to help you make sure that you're processing the estate the way that it should be done. Because that can be a very lengthy process and it's one that you don't want to do incorrectly. So you, I would definitely advise the help of a professional um, to get through that. Mm-hmm. Well, Claren, if folks are looking to find more information about you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure, sure. So I have a website. You can Google uh, Edward Jones, Claren Engelbreath, and my name should pop up. And all of our, our address, our office hours, and our contact information is there. Would love to have a conversation with anybody that's looking just to get some advice on where do I start because every person is different and every situation is different. So happy to help however I can. Wonderful. Again, she is Claren Engelbreth. If you want to find more information about her, just Google Edward Jones, Claren Engelbreth, and you'll find more. She's a financial advisor and mother of four boys, and we really appreciate her time today. Claren, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, we are out of time for today. We appreciate you joining us, and we hope that you uh, have a wonderful New Year's Day and a wonderful 2022 as well. We hope you'll join us again next week. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.